This is a Kitty Pod production. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode number 149 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullitt. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, updater, pussy, imitator, assassinator, baby. I demand the hour, demand the power. Too sweet to be sour, Jack. They call me Mr. Tibbs. And I'm coming to you once again from the rolling and snow-covered hills of Saratoga County, New York. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, the 9th of February, 2022. Just one week from now, we'll have had a major American football game of great importance. The 56th edition of Same. We'll start us up there, never mind. We'll have been in the rearview mirror. We'll talk a little more about that towards the end of the show. And not sure what we're going to be talking about here, but it's going to be one of those, uh, it's not how you, not how big you make it, it's how you make it big episodes. But we'll get to that in just a moment. That seems to have been the theme here recently. Anyway, let's get to my social media before we get in any more trouble. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at keep underscore podcast. It's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page and soon to come the Kitty Pod Instagram feed. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know, I might even join TikTok, who knows. I don't know I'm going to put on there, but hey, sounds good, don't it? Alright, we're going to get into the vanity portion here, and plenty has happened in the life of one J. Michael Bullitt. In the intervening week since last I spoke and you listened. First up, uh, I've been doing great at my work, by the way. Uh, as I record this, I got started on a new project. We're helping, well, it used to be called Just Citizens Bank, now it's Citizens and we're helping out with uh, people's wills, their estates, and all that. That's as best as I can explain it. Explain it poorly, but explain it all right there. And also, I started on another project the previous week, or actually two weeks earlier, and we're helping out the Special Olympics in processing the athletes' medical forms, registration, all that sort of thing. Now, I'm not supposed to reveal what any of this stuff is about, but looking at the Four, they fill out when the athletes take their physical examinations to see whether or not they're able to participate in all the sporting events from the Special Olympics. One thing that caught my fancy was, as this person experienced bowel sounds. So I'm like, huh? What's that? So thankfully, I had my dad's companion, a former nurse, was able to answer my question. I proposed the question to her, well, before dinner, believe it or not. And she said, well, you know how... They put the stethoscope to your heart when you go in for your physical, your uh, yearly checkup. Well, it's the same thing, but they put it a little lower. They put it toward your abdomen, and they want to make sure everything in terms of the plumbing and everything like that is moving around smoothly. So everything's all well and good on that whole deal. You're keeping regular and all that stuff. So some great stuff there. And also... It was kind of a fractious week or so at work because this was the same thing. We quickly ran out. So I was just pulling at straws last Monday. And they said, well, you're looking. All right, well, how about this? Instead of having to just sit there and do nothing for eight hours in in our building, how about we give you tomorrow off? That would be Tuesday, the following day. So it was quite enjoyable. I didn't really go anywhere. My dad's companion had departed Bullet House for the Berkshires. And later that afternoon, I just went and got a haircut. Like, well, if I'm going to go back to work, I don't want to look like no dang hippie. I'll tell you right now. So I did that. 
And there was plenty of work the rest of the week, so that was good news there. The rest of the week was two days, and I say that advisably because all that week there was a lot of attention to this little snowstorm. Now, the weekend previous, we only got one to three inches. Kind of munged up my weekend a little bit. Only wound up going grocery shopping the following Sunday. But this was going to be a lot more consequential storm that we dealt with. And the previous afternoon, one of the supervisors was going around telling everybody, hey, listen, we're going to be shut down Friday because of the storm, so everybody's getting a three-day weekend out of the whole deal. So I'm like, oh, that's great. We'll have to be on the rolls because if there was still going to be a shift, I would have just called in and say, oh, see you guys Monday. Have a nice Friday. Have a nice weekend. But they made the decision for us. I was going to ask my boss about it every opportunity. And every time I want to talk to him, say, hey, listen, uh, what's the deal with Friday? The door of his office was closed, so it looked like they were having a little war room session going on there. And then I found out that, you know, about an hour and a half before the end of the shift and the end of the week, essentially, the, uh, that we're not going to have work Fridays. And I found out we only got about four or five inches at the most there. Had a little freezing rain to contend with during the overnight. So it was good news there, but downstate around Kingston, you know, Ulster County, Dutchess County, Mid-Hudson Valley, they got more socked in with the ice, sleet, freezing rain, all that stuff. So much so that it actually caused, you know, tree branches to come down and or take power lines down with them if they didn't freeze up already. So we're in a lot better situation up here in the rolling hills than we were down there. So I think we're grateful for that. So all in all, it's been... Rather a work-centered vanity portion. Uh, the storm did affect me. I wound up going to do my grocery shopping on Saturday, but my dad told me, well, be careful with the parking lots and that. I didn't slip or fall, thank goodness. It was interesting getting through those parking lots after the storm. Some people do a better job clearing out the parking lots than others. I didn't fall down getting another wreck with the car or anything. So I'm thankful for that whole deal. So a disjointed work week. Had a couple of storms, one bigger than the other. In fact, the little warm spell we've had, the February thaw, has made getting through the parking lot to and from my car a little easier with each passing day. So I'm grateful for that. It took some iron nerve to get make get to the get through the parking lot, go into the building and come home, you know, get in my car at night rather. I'm sorry if I'm going all over the place. That's just how this podcast is for any first time listeners. So there you have it right there. I got some quality time in with my dad. My dad's companion went back to the Berkshires all by her lonesome and helped look after her two granddaughters. Meanwhile, it was just the two of us having a little father-son bonding time. Went out for a couple of meals Saturday night. I wanted to go to this uh, hot dog place, but every place we went to was packed that we wanted to go. This hot dog place, busy. The diners. We went in. And we decided, uh, we'll just go in here and say, hey, how long of a wait? He said, five to ten minutes. And my dad said, well, he's bullshitting him, you know. And I said, all right. So he went to this other place in Mechanicville, right near Bullet House. And it was virtually dead. I'm like, well, there were a few people there, but it wasn't crazy busy. So I don't know what else we were going to do. We were just going to, you know, throw our hands, go home, and just uh, cook something up, get something out of the freezer, cook pizza, and just stay in that night. So, they have it right there. And then, was really special. Went to lunch. It was rather late for us. So, wound up going to a sub shop in Latham. 
and that was good. Had a nice little bonding time. Also, that weekend, my dad decided he was going to have the talk about, you know, what's what's going to be my housing situation when he passes away. You know, I was like, well, I'll talk to this guy at the Autism Society or my chapter thereof, and we're going to, you know, get the motion. Now, it's all depending on your salary, whether you're for rent, because rent for an apartment, especially like a studio or one-room apartment, one-bedroom apartment, ridiculous. And that's saying the least of it right there. Being a cliff dweller is going to take a good deal of cash. So we're going to try and work something out here. I'm, You know, my Section 8 or anything like that, I better get the application in now. Hopefully I make enough money. Well, I also mentioned doing like uh, getting an application in for SSI or seeing if I qualify for it. So that's going to be interesting. I'll keep everybody posted on that whole deal. And that's been the vanity portion. And now to our main event, whatever that is. All right, folks, I'm going to level with you. I decided to make it the main topic of this evening a subject that dovetails from the last part of the vanity portion that you just heard. And that is autism and housing and how difficult it is for those of us on the spectrum to find that. Or anybody for that matter. Whether or not you're on the autism spectrum... We're all entitled to have a roof over our head, clothes on our back, food on the table and in our bellies. You know, the basic essentials of life. And essentials and existentialism. I don't know. But anyway, getting off the point here is that housing has just become unaffordable for most folks. And if you're on the autism spectrum, whoo boy, it's pretty bad. Now, some of us in the spectrum, you know, even at our age, live at home with our parents. I've uh, told through context clues that my dad is here, but oftentimes when he goes visit his companion, I'm left to take care of things here at the house. Builds up life skills and whatnot, but it won't last forever. My dad, as I mentioned earlier, will one day go, as will we all. And the housing situation is going to get really hairy. It's nice to have a house, but this is going to be a situation where this is going to be too much property for me to handle. And whatnot. If I had to work something, if I wanted to stay in this house, I would have to work something out with my older sister. But Dad says I'm welcome to stay here for as long as he's on this earth. Which, let's hope it's a good long while before that happens when he finally does step off this mortal coil. But we're getting off the point here. Now, according to the Autism Housing Network's website, there are almost seven and a half million American citizens who have either intellectual or developmental disabilities. Sadly, only a small fraction of them, 7% to be exact, have access to supports to live outside the family home. And furthermore, almost half of autistic adults report feeling lonely, while almost 3 out of 5 report feeling depressed. Which is really sad news when you get right down to it. So now the question remains, what type of housing is available, if any, for those on the spectrum? You want to make sure it's affordable and whatnot, or you're able to pay for it and all that. But we're going to answer that question now. Now, I want to preface this bit by saying those of us in the autism spectrum have rather a negative opinion about Autism Speaks, where I get this next bit of info from, but the old saying goes, any old port in a storm. And Autism Speak seems to have a better job on their website than the Autism Society, and I mean them no disrespect. 
It's part of the website called Housing and Community Living. Now, there's some questions that you need to ask that go even deeper about where it is that you'd like to live. Now, according to Autism Speaks, you have to start with making some basic decisions on where you want to live, what type of house, what supports are you going to need. So, first question is, what type of neighborhood do I want to live? Well, do you want to live in the burbs, like I am now? Do you want to live in the city? Do you want to live out in the country or even out in the farmstead? So, we're going like from more densely populated to least densely populated. Okay, not really, but you get it. Anyway, you know, I live in the burbs, or exurbia if you want to call it that. Where I live is the town of Half Moon here in the rolling hills of Saratoga County, New York, as I mentioned at the beginning of most every episode of this podcast. And I live in what's essentially a bedroom community. You know, it's most like a commuter town. People live in the area. They work down in Albany. They work in Troy. They work in Schenectady. Or some even go up north to my hometown of Saratoga Springs. You know, urban, there's the city, you know. Suburban, like, well, there's no real, like, mass transit system. So, unless you're in a first-ring suburb, public transportation is really out of the question. Unless you're a state worker and you can take this thing called the Northway Express, go to your state job down in Albany. Now, urban areas, you know, there's... Here's Albany, there's Schenectady, there's Troy, there's Saratoga Springs. Sure, you're in the city, you're, you know, if you're a younger person, you know, going out at night, you know, going to the bar, going out to nightclubs and all that, meeting up with friends and all that. But mainly the city for me has been like, well, I've only worked in the suburbs. I've never worked in a city. I've lived in the burbs, I've worked in the burbs and office parks and whatnot. But urban areas, you know, living in there, it does have its problems, especially the three main cities of this area are known in recent years and recent decades for, you know, having uh, just ridden with crime and everything. Homicide, violent, you know, murder, homicide, one thing or another. So you really got to mind your P's and Q's, especially at night. Now, rural areas, well, you don't have all the conveniences. Suburbs, you're close to like shopping malls and supermarkets and all that stuff, it's readily available. You live out in the countryside, you really don't have that option. If that, if if you do, it's rather limited. Sure, you might have like a family dollar or dollar general, but, or maybe if you're lucky enough to live in a village, you have like a, uh, the, the village supermarket, like an IGA or an independent supermarket or some such. So that's how you get your food and all your essentials right there. In the burbs, you got places like no sponsors here, like Walmart or, you know, Target has a supermarket or a regular old supermarket. And Farmstead, well, I can't really speak to that. So I'm going to leave it there. Now, question number two. Now that you picked out where you want to live, what kind of house do you want to live in? Okay, now that you've settled question number one, whether it's the city or the suburbs or anything of that nature, Autism Speaks has question number two lined up for you. What type of house would you want to live in? Well, they list the following. Single family home, planned community. I don't know what that is. A townhouse. You you don't have that much stuff, so why not? First timer. They got to deal with mortgages and whatnot and interest rates and all that. Apartment with a common space for residents. Well, assuming you want roommates. And again, see rents, comma, ridiculously high. A multi-family attached house like a duplex. We got one of those uh, stones throw away from Bullet House and a rather big one at that. 
Now, with those options, you get a little free mobility, come and go as you please, you know, outside of work hours and whatnot. But there's also an assisted living facility if you've got the more severe symptoms. A little uh, drinking ASMR there to break the tension. So you got the shortage of choice that hopefully will be affordable to you or assisted living if you really can't uh, shake it out there on your own. And speaking of which, when my dad passes away, I'm not going to have any terrible means of support. So now question number three is, what level of support will I need to live in the community? And they have like, well, do you need support 24-7 all year round? Do you need support throughout the day? A few hours per day? A few hours per week? Or maybe I'm independent. I'm good. I need the bare minimum of support. That's another thing that you have to consider. Where you live, what type of dwelling, and how much support are you going to need? Whether it be all day, all night, all hours of the day and night, as I said earlier. Or you're very much independent, you're like, eh, the bare minimums, I don't need all that stuff, I'm good. Now, there's other issues to consider. Such as, according to Autism Speaks, yet again, health services coordination and medication administration. I'm good with that whole deal. Behavioral and mental health support. So I have to take that into consideration. Respite for caregivers, I almost said respite. A delayed Earl Clark there. Career support. Community integration. So I talked to my dad about this. Well, if I get my own place, I don't have dad to help out. I know I got my sister and my brother-in-law. They can come help me out. More the latter than the former. But I would have to, you know, communicate with my neighbors. Now, being able to express myself, you know, communicate, especially when I need help, that's a bit of a stumbling block for me. I'm really going to have to get over that. Like, if I'm in an apartment, I have to contact the, the building super and, you know, there's a pipe leaking or something's wrong with the toilet or or something, you know, something goes kablooey. There's also social opportunities. You got to take that. So what if you live, like, in a common area, like a apartment complex or some such, or assisted living facility, there's going to be plenty of social activities for you. You'll probably have no shortage of that, even in a pandemic, even though, well might have been shunted but when all this is finally over certainly uh, take that into consideration expand the offerings there home support and of course family support I mentioned that earlier now this is from Autism Speaks they said and this is for me where the rubber meets the road funding your physical home and paying for the supports you need are usually separate parts of this process and they can be quite costly You'll need to decide how you'll pay for the residence. Are you going to have to pay rent for a month? Are you going to have to, mor- if you get a townhouse or some such, are you going to have to do the mortgage? Will I have to pay like X amount of dollars a month? Are you going to figure it into the budget? Who's going to manage the property? Who's going to pay the utilities? And who's going to contact service providers for help? As for the actual physical dwelling, I'm going to need to consider the public and private funding options. And they have a link where you can review all of that as for service supports you'll need to consider applying for public funding through social security medicaid this guy named don from our chapter the autism society uh, he says i could apply for uh, ssi supplementary 
I don't know, social ins insurance or something like that. I don't know what it's called. Social security insurance. I, there are people more educated than I on that whole deal. So there you go right there. They also mentioned housing and residential support options for adults like myself. And Autism Speaks says, all parents worry about their children's future, but for the 19% of people with disabilities, boy, we're playing with the percentages, aren't we? That parental concern is even greater, especially when it comes to financial planning and the transition to adulthood. I've already made that. Now, I want to transition from having one parent in my life to being an orphan in my adult years. And they have a video here for a conference they had some time ago in Nashville. This was 2016, so this was long before COVID. And they have some links here. I'm going to post a link to this article on the teaser text for this podcast episode so you'll be able to read along. And if you're on the spectrum yourself, you can have a look because I'm certainly going to do that too. I'm taking a lot of stuff into consideration. This is a, a big thing. You'll be Mr. Uh, big Boy Pants out there in the world. So I hope you find this informative. I'll keep you posted how everything goes with finding housing once we get all that motion you'll get the ball rolling on that whole deal and there you go right there all right folks that will do it for the main part of this episode but we got a couple of bits of business here before we send you off into the big game first up let's do a roll call of our podcast family first up gfa live this past week peter winston and keith langston did a live watch of an episode of WWF Wrestling Challenge that aired, oddly enough, on Super Bowl Sunday of 1992, January 26th. You can follow the podcast and Peter Winston at GF Allentown. No episodes of either the Sportscasters or the 24-inch podcast, so Steve Bennett's been laying low till we get season 12 underway of the Sportscasters, but still, you can follow my main man in Buffalo, New York, on the social medias at sports at the sports sorry underscore casters sorry I wasn't part of the Twitter handle I just stumbled there the break it down show Pete A Turner had him some great guests this past week first up David Petruza I think that's how you pronounce his name if I'm not mistaken uh, he talked about 1920 the year of six U.S. presidents and there's a local connection here Mr. Petruza is a native of Amsterdam New York just a good half hour or so from or 45 minutes west of the rolling hills also dave Matheny, not pat Matheny, and chris bell also came on the program you can follow pete at pete a turner and you can follow the break it down show at break it down show figures and the Laurel littles podcast chuck and roxy had josh cromwell and jonathan conrad two first names you can follow the podcast and chuck and roxy at loyal littles pod as for this little dog and pony show, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. If said podcatcher has rating and or review capabilities, be a dear and feel free. Don't hesitate to give me a five-star rating and a good rep, especially on Spotify. Five stars is good. I don't care if Joe Rogan has himself a little controversy with COVID and everything. I want to address that a little bit here before we get to the end spotify you know joe rogan when COVID and everything and guys like neil young and joni mitchell pulling their libraries off of spotify and protests they're like we well, don't like what this rogan fellow is doing with COVID, misinformation you know joe rogan had a 
go on the social media and apologize. You know, everybody's all raising hell and getting all up in arms and this and that. I, as somebody has a podcast on Spotify by way of Anchor FM, I will say that uh, I'm a little concerned to speak out against COVID because if it does get through the censors or the gatekeeper, whomever, it's going to have that little disclaimer right before we get to the fun. So I'm a little leery about that. So that's how it is, folks. All right, gang, we now come to one more thing, the last segment of this episode of the Old Kitty Pod. And for the last time in a good long while, we're going to be talking football. As I mentioned off the top of this show, we have the 56th edition of an American football game of great importance. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it here, but I'm going to have a little twist here at the end. We're not going to do the gambling bit. We're going to straight up pick them right here. As for the betting, I had a pretty modest season. You know, wasn't as good as I would have liked, but I believe my record is... Uh, I'm trying to figure it out here, do the math. I think it's... Um, I think I went 15 and 13 for the year. I got to check. Oh, I deleted the Action Network app. Damn it. All right. Well, I was two games above 500. That's all you need to know. So we've got a big football game here we're going to talk about coming up this coming Sunday. And to start, we're going to need a little traveling music, please. After quite a season in the first 18 game se- or 18 week rather season, of National Football League action, it has come down to this. The Cincinnati Bengals and the St. Louis Rams will do battle in the Southern California sun this Sunday. For the second year in a row, we have a home team playing in their home stadium for the big occasion. We're going to start with the Los Angeles Rams. For the Rams, this is their fourth, actually their fifth rather, excuse me. Someone all over the joint. Anyway, this is their fifth appearance in the big game they made their first appearance Super Bowl 14, lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then 20 years later, they made it back to Super Bowl 34, a thrilling finish to that contest. Mike Dyson almost coming short, like came up short, almost scoring the upset there, the greatest show on turf. Two years later, just after 9-11, we had the Patriots win the Super Bowl there. That was the Maryland Super Bowl. I remember watching that. I was so happy for the Pats. And then 2019, we had an epic snooze fest of a Super Bowl. Hopefully, we don't get anything like that here in Southern California. The Rams had themselves a great season. They were expected to win the NFC Western Division. They did. Matthew Stafford, you don't think a change of scenery hasn't benefited him? You're dead wrong. Ditto for guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Jalen Ramsey on the defense, Aaron Donald considered one of the best, if not the best, players in the NFL right now or this season for that matter. Rams look dominant. They really manhandled the 49ers. And they're looking good coming in. Now we got to address the other side, the Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody expected this ragtag bunch of guys to be here in the limelight. Joe Burrow, the quarterback. This is his second year in the league, and here he is in the big game. Just two years removed from winning the college national championship at LSU. He's got... Quite the lineup in the offense. Jamar Chase, this wide receiver. I never heard of this guy until this season. He was electrifying throughout the playoffs. And we got to talk about this kicker, Evan McPherson. 
the automatic toe with a flare for the dramatic. Hey, that rhymes. As he booted the game-winning field goals against Buffalo. Not, Buff not Buffalo. Whoops, there you go. <laughs> Again, I wish that was the AFC title game, being upstate New York. Anyway, beat Kansas City in overtime. And, of course, the week previous, they beat Tennessee to open up the divisional round. So, Cincinnati Bengals are... The ragtag bunch of team, they're the underdog in all this. I'm not doing the gambling bit. So I'm going to say to finish off, my head says Rams, my heart says Bengals, and with all the food I'm going to eat Sunday night, my stomach says, anyway, we could call this off. So I'm going to go Cincinnati Bengals. No ramming it here. The folks in the tri-state area, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, they've been waiting years for this. Not since the big red machine of 1990. You know, Reds won the... World Series led everybody wire to wire on that whole deal. So, Cincinnati Bengals are my pick to win the Super Bowl. And that will do it. I thought you weren't going to say the name of the game. You weren't allowed. Oh, I just forgot. Now get out of here. Haven't heard from you all day. And that, on a rather discordant note, will end episode number 149 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. I thank you as ever for listening. I never take the audience for granted. Never have, never will. I may have on some occasions, but I hope you've forgiven me for all that. I hope everybody has a happy and safe weekend, especially with this big football game going on. I hope everybody enjoys themselves, stays safe, stays healthy. And I'll break down how I observe the occasion in the next episode, whenever that is. So, also happy Valentine's Day, too, to all the lovers out there. I'll talk to you again real soon, whenever that is. And as always, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. Otis lives. Sit, boo-boo, sit. Good dog. <laughs> I swear to God, John, for nothing, if you start that dumb fruity shit again, and when I call 23 down, call a goddamn plane. I didn't say Hail Mary. You ain't dumb fruity. You ain't dumb fruity. This has been a Kitty Pod production. Produced in Saratoga County, New York. Shared with the world.